Why on earth would we want to miss the freedom that's available in this amends process? Well, hello, friends of Bill W. and other friends. You have landed on Sober Speak. My name is John M. I am an alcoholic, and we are glad you are all here, especially newcomers. Newcomers, that is, both to recovery as a whole and newcomers to this podcast. Sober Speak is a podcast about recovery centered around the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. My job here on Sober Speak is simple. My job is to provide a platform to the amazing stories of recovery all around us. Consider Sober Speak, if you will, your meeting between meetings. Please remember, we do not speak for AA or any 12 step community. We represent only ourselves. We are here to share our experience, strength, and hope with those who wish to come along for the ride. Take what you want and leave the rest at the curb for the trash man to pick up. From Studio AA Deep, deep in the heart of Texas, that was the voice of our old friend Charlie P that you heard at the beginning of this episode. And you are going to hear so much more from him on this here episode number 200. Dose hundred, dos ciento, something like that, and fifty-five uh, cinco cinco. Anyway, but first things first. This episode is coming out to you and brought to you by Hillary and Cassandra and Tanya. What may you ask? Did Hillary and Cassandra and Tanya do? Well, they went to our website www.soberspeak.com and they made a little a contribution so thank you Hillary and Cassandra and Tanya this here episode is coming right out to youans I John am just another bozo on the bus will indeed be the chairperson for this meeting between meetings and I am truly honored and privileged to serve all of you listening in. So take a seat around this virtual table and let's get started. I'm sending out um, a big audio hug to every single one of you listening in. Yeah, that means you, even that guy who doesn't want a hug. I'm still sending you out an audio hug <laughs> to, to all of you. Uh... What I want to do here today, uh, well, first of all, if you're not following us on the Instagram, you can find us there at at Soberspeak, all one word. Um, and if you're not following us on Facebook, go to your Facebook application, uh, make a, uh, not make a, uh, uh, look for the, so, you, so here's what you do. You search for Soberspeak Secret Group on Facebook and there are, and you can ask for admission into the group and the bar is very low and we welcome you to come on in. So here, Oh, this is a, uh, uh, speaking of Instagram, this is a DM that I received on, uh, Instagram this week. And it's from Kelly and Kelly wrote in and she says, thanks, John. 
I started listening to your podcast a few weeks ago. It showed me that the AA Fellowship works, and I was so captivated by your guest and their understanding of life experiences. It showed me that I didn't have to suffer alone. On Sunday, your podcast was The Power Greater Than Myself and carried me into my first AA meeting. I have now gone every day since, and I am seven days sober. God bless you, Kelly. That's fantastic. And as you know, I reached out to you and asked you if you wanted me to get you in touch with another woman in the program, and we are happy to do such. I hope you and she are getting along just great. And uh, I'm uh, anyway, I'm just so thankful that you wrote in with that. That definitely made my day. Now on to Mr. Charlie P discussing steps eight and nine of Alcoholics Anonymous. So I want to tell you, we're going to talk about Charlie's health on the front end of this. We got through, we did the recording, and Charlie and I had some kind of time off the mic, if you will, uh, after we um, recorded. And I don't know exactly what I want to say here. If you are able to send up some prayers for Charlie, uh, just maybe even take this moment to do it. I know Charlie believes in the power of prayer, and so do I. Um, it uh, it would be something that both he and I appreciate you doing. Um, I had some pretty, uh, uh, I had a pretty tough night that night after actually talking to Charlie about his entire situation. And, you know, there's no telling which way this is going to end up. And I don't want to go too deep into it, but, uh, um, I just <clears throat> wish Charlie and Katie, um, they're the very best in the coming months. Anyway, during this episode, you'll notice Charlie refers to steps four, five, six, seven, eight, and nine like the follow through of a golf swing, which I absolutely loved. I had never heard it put that way. Charlie once again reiterates, he says, I am in the entirely different angle business. And what he means by that is uh, uh, his job as a sponsor, possibly counseling people, not being a sponsor, just talking about things with folks, is to help them see things from an entirely different angle. He talks about our real purpose, as it talks about in the book, and explains what he means by that. And then he also explains what kind of business cards and index cards he uses when making amends. So, ladies and gents, please help me welcome, without further ado, Mr. Charlie P. And we will have plenty, oh, plenty, oh, listener feedback at the end of this episode. Enjoy. Okay, everybody. So today... We are sitting here again with Mr. Charlie P. And I, gosh, uh, wait, it's been, okay, so I was looking back at the notes and the last time we actually got together and at least recorded, we've, we've texted and called a couple times in the meantime, but the last time we got together and recorded was actually in February of 2022. So it has been, I, I think it was like a month after that, that I released your episode, but it's been a while since we sat down here and recorded, and I'm so glad to have you back. So 
first things first, well, why don't you go ahead, introduce yourself, give your sobriety date if you wish. Uh, For those of you who haven't heard Charlie from his previous episodes where he's been on Silver Speak, and tell people where you live, please. Okay. Hi, everybody. I'm Charlie Parker, very grateful alcoholic. I've been sober since March 22nd of 1985. I live in Austin, Texas. My home group's the primary purpose group of Alcoholics Anonymous in Austin. If you're ever in Austin on a Tuesday night, come see us 7.30 p.m. at 2701. That's 2701 South Lamar in Austin. We'd love to see you. And a lot of people come by. But and a lot of people go to your Zoom meeting on Wednesday night, I believe. And what's the password to that as well? Well, or the, our, the primary purpose group Zooming is at 7.30 Central Time. Uh, on Zoom, six, our Zoom number is 630-577-473, and there's no password. Great. All right. So um, I the, the first thing I want to, you know, uh, the last time we were on, we talked about your health. Mm-hmm. And the fact that um, you had, you had that very weird circumstance where you discovered that you basically had cancer. Uh, and then you went in for the operation and you came out of it. Uh, you were feeling healthy. And I, the first thing I thought of when I actually saw you today is man, you were looking as healthy as a horse. But then I ask you, you're welcome. Uh, First, and and I just want to go ahead and get this out there because, you know, a lot of people know you, a lot of people love you. And I ask you, you know, hey, you know, how's your health? And why don't you, and and we didn't talk about it a lot. I said, I wanted to get it just, you know, basically while we're here recording. So why don't you go ahead and fill people in on what's going on with your health, sir? Well, well, you know, we had the miraculous surgery and Brought her, I gave all the credit back then to Cowboys, Corn Dogs, and Katie. Um, yeah. You know, <laughs> finding their way at the state fair and cancer free. And then I had a quarterly checkup, cancer free. And then uh, I got a call from the doctor saying, We need to get you in for another one. And they had been doing some blood work on me. And um, five months into the process, he called and he said, uh, You've got some new tumors in your liver. So. Um, we are back in the cancer treatment game and, and, uh, we had the, the one miraculous surgery and I don't think God's out of miracles anytime soon, but we're, we're hoping for, you know, things to go well. We have a, a treatment plan and a team, but, uh, we can't do what we did before, which was take out a huge portion of my liver. We're hoping to get me cancer free and then hopefully get a, um, uh, liver transplant in, in the next nine months. So it's been um, been a lot of doctor's appointments. I saw nine doctors in two days once a, wow. a few weeks ago. Um, but, you know, we're walking with faith and, and uh, right now I just feel great, um, you know, and uh, still real active and been going to conferences and, you know, but it, it certainly wasn't the phone call we wanted to get, you know, but, um, you know, I just... Um, I think so many times about Sandy Beach one time talking about when he got some really bad news, he said his first thought, and I've adopted it, was he said, God, this is not going to interfere with our relationship. And and, and it's just such a comforting place to be able to go to know that God's got a plan and he's got one for me. and, and, uh, And we'll just see how it unfolds. 
So how is, for those of you who don't know, Katie P is Charlie's wife. So how's, how's Katie doing right now? It froze up for just a second. How's Katie doing? Yeah. How's Katie doing? Oh, she, uh, she's hanging in there. She's, she's the best caretaker anybody could ever hope for. And we haven't gotten too far into that yet, but, um, I've, of course I feel for her and, um, and you know, it's just, we have disturbing stuff going on, but most of the time we are in a pretty happy spot. You know, it's just, you know, Bill Cleveland must tell me, so, you know, things get real simple when you're faced with something like this, you just basically show up for the next doctor's appointment and do what they tell you to do. Um, And we'll see. Yeah. Bill's gone through a lot of his own challenges, Mm -hmm. as you know. I was there for a lot of it. We were there the day the, his transplant doctor came in and told him, Mr. Cleveland, you get to have a life. And uh, it was pretty, pretty powerful. Because <laughs> um, it looked like we were going to lose him. So. Yeah. But, that, yeah, that's where we are. I, I certainly enjoyed the miraculous Cowboys and Corn Dogs story, but uh, this has kind of sucked some of the fun out of that story. But hopefully we'll have a, another chapter, I think. I'm afraid and if we get through this one, I'm, I'm not going to have time in my AA talk to talk about drinking or, you know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you said you've been back out on the road a little bit, huh? Yeah. What have you, how, how's that been going? Well, we, we don't have a lot of events, but we've been attending some. We went to Nashville. We went to the Jersey Shore Big Book Study. Katie and I led that. And Katie spoke in. Nashville and, and that Music City Roundup is a lot of fun and and then we've had the state convention here in Austin and the Capital of Texas conference so it's it's been just so comforting especially with everything that's going on to be back with my people you know because I just dearly love the Fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous and we, you said you saw Don P last uh, recently at no, a, a com- Don L. Don L. Uh, I'm yep. sorry, Don L. At a uh, at the the Austin Roundup there, whatever it's called. Yeah, we spent quite a bit of time together, and 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 Peter M. and his wife were here, and it's just it's you know I just I just love that that fellowship. It's it's, it's funny, you know, when in meditation when they tell you to go to a happy spot, and you usually picture a spot by the river, or, you know, with right. the, and and I was sitting at in. Um, in California at the uh, South Bay Roundup. There was about 4,000 people in the room, and we were getting ready to start the meeting, and I was up front, and, the, you know, 4,000 alcoholics talking at once, and I thought, I think this might be my happy spot. You know, <laughs> was, uh, you know sitting there, right. just the sound of all those alcoholics chattering away, <laughs> it, it, it really makes me feel at home. I get it. I yeah. so I so get it. Um, oh, by the way, I wanted to. <laughs> I thought this was hilarious. I was talking to you, um, as you know, we were kind of going back and forth today about you know what time we were going to start and all that kind of stuff. And so I was talking to you on the phone, and you said you needed to get to the house and do something to make your voice what you called silky smooth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how did I do? <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I absolutely love that. I love that. All right. So, <laughs> well, your sound is silky smooth to me now. Oh, thank Mr. you, John. Charlie. 
You're welcome. All right. So let's go ahead, turn a corner. Uh, last time you and I got together, we were, uh, we were talking, uh, and by the way, you said when you were traveling around, I meant to say this also, you had some people come up and said they, they'd heard you on sober speak and such. Is that quite a few? Yeah. It's, well, it's, good. Yeah, it's I'm glad touching. they're out there listening to you in this form as well. Uh, yeah. I always right, so, I'm, I'm much thinner on the computer. But, <laughs> 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 okay. So let's uh, turn a quarter and start talk, talking about basically on page 76 is where we spent our, the whole uh, last episode. And it was on six and seven. Mm. You talked about that at length, those two paragraphs and you know you just basically dove into those and if you haven't heard that folks it's called charlie p step six and seven i would go back and listen to that however now we're on we're still on page 76 we didn't move too far uh but now we're moving on to page 76 that where it starts with step eight and says paragraph three Paragraph three says, now we need more action. So now I'll let you take it from there. Well, and we're still in this vigorous course of action that we refer to as a golf swing, you know, of a four through nine. And, you know, and some, and, you know, the, it's not just four and five, it's four and five, and then six and seven, and then eight and nine. And, and we, we carried those defects that we saw in the fourth column of our inventory and in our fear inventory and then in our sex and arms inventory into six and seven. And now we have fresh stuff to take into the amends process. It's a, the, one of the most magical things about the inventory process is how many times I come into an inventory with a red-hot resentment and I see it from an entirely different angle and go out the other end with an amends to go make. You know, I, I see how selfish and dishonest and delusional and, uh, my, my take was on the situation and you know i think i said my favorite thing to hear is oh my god you know where you go i've never even considered that from that angle and now instead of worrying about forgiving them i've got a uh uh an amends to go make so real quick Mm -hmm. i want to because i've thought about this many times Mm -hmm. when we were talking uh over our first couple of episodes and you said something to the effect of and i can't remember exactly what it is but you said i'm in the seeing things from a different perspective business do do i remember that right i like to say i'm in the entirely different angle business that's what it is i'm always searching for my thoughts and my response is 10 steps for what's an entirely different angle. How, how would the other person tell this story? Have they ever been the person in this story? How, you know, what's driving them? What, where have I made decisions based on self, which placed me in a position to be harmed? Those, where did I set the ball rolling? Those sorts of things. And so, you know, when we get to this, uh, um, third paragraph on, on 76, it says we, we we need more action without which we find that faith without works is dead. 
And it's funny, it's in, it's in parentheses there. It's because it's quoted from the letter of James, James 2.14 through 2.21. And so it's kind of interesting. Look at, we're quoting outside literature right there in the big book. But, <laughs> but without getting too controversial, it's work, 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 work. They're, they're, I keep waiting for them to write a chapter called Into Chill, you know, or, uh, you know, just, <laughs> just, you know, 90 meetings in 90 days for a while now. But, you know, but, it, but now it, there is a funny thing. You know, um, there's a lot to talk about in the amends process. And we've talked quite a bit about the, uh, my deceased sponsor was Mark Houston and had a very formative impact on my life. And so has Myers, who's my current sponsor. But one of the things that Mark talked about was, uh, well, I'll never forget when Mark moved to Austin. And I and I had met him at a workshop up in Denton, and just Katie and I were moved to this workshop. We were not, we didn't choose to be there. We were moved to this workshop, and Mark was moved to it just as clearly. Mark had been silent for three years, came out of silence, did this workshop. We happened to see a flyer. We're starting to study the book again. Drove two hundred thirty miles to be at this workshop, just based on nothing more than. This guy sponsors Chris R., and I like Chris R. And so we spent the weekend with Mark, and it blew my mind. But then not too long after that, Mark moved to Austin, and, and we started this common solution meeting at my house, you know, from, from where it talks about we've discovered a common solution, a, a way out upon which we can absolutely agree. And I'll never forget, you know, my sponsees were kind of excited because you know, now Charlie's got a new sponsor. What's this going to be like? What's, you know, what are we going to do? And, and Mark comes to this meeting at the house. And, you know, when you think about it, generally when you, when you get a new sponsor and you're thinking, okay, we're, you know, we're, especially if it's somebody think we're going to be doing some work. First thing you figure you're probably going to do is what? I mean, most of the times, most people think, well, we're probably going to write inventory. You know, maybe we'll do another fourth step. And a lot of guys come to want to want to do a fourth step, and you're like, "Well, what happened to the amends uh, from your last fourth step?" But that's a little further down the line from where we're talking. But Mark comes into the house, and we're all waiting to see what's going to happen. And he says, uh, "I'll never forget it. I can see it like it just happened." He says, uh, "Sometimes this one chokes me up, but I'll try to get through." We're sitting there, and he says, um, where are you men at in the amends process? And we said what an alcoholic says when he doesn't have a good answer, and he's trying to think of one. I said, what? And he said, <laughs> he said where are you guys at with the amends process? And I gave some BS answer about, you know, that I had made had made what we call the, the tornado amends, you know, the first, if we're this tornado roaring through people's life, the first people touched by that tornado. But like so many of us, I was amazed before I was halfway through. And, <laughs> and that list just kind of found its way into a drawer somewhere. Well, Mark comes in there and he says, I sense that there's a significant experience available to you men in the amends process. And we th we thought this guy's like Svengali or something. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. how could? And for the younger people, that was a hypnotist magician from back in the <laughs> old days. But um, we're like, how could he possibly know that? And I think it's because the bulk of us, 
as AA members, rank and file AA members, have a significant experience available in the immense process. And, you know, and one of the things that Mark talks an awful lot about, it was the two most important words that uh, in the eighth step are all, made a list of all persons we have harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. But one of the funny things that I've seen about the amends process and maybe you can just anything I say, just hold it up against your experience and see if it's fit. But it is. It seems to me that the bulk of the advice in the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous is geared towards not having to make the amends. If if you have an amends that you don't want to make, all you got to do is go over to the big clubhouse and talk to two or three people, and somebody will tell you why you don't have to do it. <laughs> you know, and you know they'll say, "Well, you know, it says except when to do so would injure them or others, and that you're part of others, and this would injure you." So you know, and just lame stuff sure. like that. When the book is real clear, where it says uh, the rule is we're hard on ourselves and easy on others, but but you know, uh, talking about that, I mean, one time. I was at a meeting at the big clubhouse that I grew up in, and uh, in AA, and we'd been doing all this immense stuff with all my boys and everything. Everybody's having these massive experiences. Now, watch this, buddy. I said, "Come here." And I'm gonna. Chair, I was chairing the meeting that day, and like a Saturday morning meeting. I said, "I'm gonna chair the meeting on making direct amends to people we have harmed." I said, "I want you to listen to people. Avoid the topic. Change the topic." Or tell you why they don't have to do it. And we sat through that meeting. And when it was over, I said, so what would you think? And he said, if you hadn't told me it was going to happen, I, I wouldn't have believed it. It, it was unbelievable. At, at one point, I said, before we go any further, does anybody have experience with making direct demands? To those people we have armed, because the whole first half of the meeting was like, I'm not going to go to every greasy spoon that I ran out of without paying and make amends to them. And, you know, if if this amends bothers me, then I'll deal with it. And But if not, they'll just die away like a withering plant. And I'm like, so you're telling me that whether or not we make these amends is based on whether or not it's troubling me? I mean, <laughs> what, what about you know, the way we've harmed others. But, you know, we've talked so much, if you've listened to any of the previous stuff, and, you know, I've talked about how my sponsors think, oh, my God, i got a sponsor that's only read three pages out of the big book, you know, 60 <laughs> to 63, 60 to 63, you know. And, but all throughout the book, I've got written in places, restates step three, restates the deal, restates the deal we made in step three. And when we get into this thing, it says, we subjected ourselves to this drastic self-appraisal. Now we go out to our fellows and repair the damage done in the past. Now listen to this. If I missed the self-peace in the third step, because I wasn't convinced that any life based on self-will can hardly be a success, because we went right from do you believe in God to the third step prayer, and we missed that body of work in 60 to 63. So if I missed it in three, and then I missed it in four, you know, where it says, you know, being convinced that self manifested in various ways was what had defeated us. We considered self's common manifestations. And then, you know, at the end of the fourth step, it says, we hope you're now convinced that God can remove whatever self-will has blocked you off from him. 
And then when we get to the eighth step, it says we attempt to sweep away the debris which is accumulated out of our effort to live life on self-will and run the show ourselves. It just seems to me like it's everywhere throughout the work, and I missed it for a long time. You know, so there's a big experience available in this self piece, we call it. But, you know, um, uh, it was funny. One of the things, there was two lines that really troubled me in the book. I'm a big book technician. I like to think of myself as a big book step, step worker, but I like a practical. And one, I think one of the biggest promises in the book is back on page 29 where it says, further on, clear-cut directions are given showing how we recovered. If we're looking to recover, those, that's a big promise, you know, clear-cut directions. And I like for things to make sense. And even in the third step, it says, you know, second step, it says, we wouldn't like a, a spiritual approach that didn't hold itself to practical and reasonable investigation. I'm paraphrasing, but mm-hmm. something like that. Well, there's this line. And it comes up twice. I'm going to tell you my little trip through with it. On page 70, at the end of the fourth step, it says, we've written down a lot. We've listed and analyzed our resentment, their futility, their fatality, patience, tolerance. We've learned patience, tolerance. And and check this out. Four lines from the bottom, it says, we have listed the people we have hurt by our conduct and are willing to straighten out the past if we can. I was like, no, I haven't. And then you get over to 76, and it says it again. It says, we have a list of all persons. That word all troubles me there. I have a list of some people I've harmed. But it says we have a list of all persons we have harmed and to whom we are willing to make amends. We made it when we took inventory. And I went all over the place asking some of my big book technician heroes, what about that? You know, and one guy couldn't give me a straight answer. Other people said different things. But when I asked Mark about it, I said, Mark, what about this line here and this line here? And he goes, I don't know, but if you work with me, the fourth step and the eighth step are going to be separate events. And I was like, okay, you know, fair enough, because that's the way I've always done it. Because, but, you know, so I make this list. And, and uh, you know, so um, we've come out of this inventory and reflected on our stuff in 6 and 7. It says now we need more action, you know. So um, one of the things I love about the amends process, you know, back to this thing about people wanting to talk you out of it and tell you why you don't have to do it. But what's amazing is if you go to the state convention or a big conference and the the Saturday night speaker gets up there with a dramatic story. The most dramatic exhibitions of the power of God that we mm-hmm. see in our fellowship are people making amends. Amends, right. amends that can't happen without God being involved. You know, I mean, you just see it over and over and over again where, you know, it didn't go the way they thought. God got in and moved. And, and, I, and I, I love that stuff. And then we will try to talk ourselves out of it, because I don't know, I don't think I'm the only one that thinks that I can get myself a, a little bit better deal than God's going to give me. I mean, you know, and, and my, you know, you know, I, when I picture God's will, 
I don't always picture joy and abundance and freedom and fulfillment. And it feels like I'm going to get screwed here, you know, and, and, and making these amends surely can't be good, but there's freedom on the other side of it. And it says, um, it talks about some, some people we don't talk to about God right up front, but then others we do, but, but what does it say we're trying to do? It says at the moment, top of 77, we're trying to put our lives in order. But this is not an end in itself. There's all over the place in the book. You know how you, you hear people in the meetings go, well, you know, this is a selfish program. And you see people do the AA head bob. And I heard it so much that I thought it was AA. So all throughout my book, I've written selfish program, you know, with a question mark. Because look at it right here. It says, at the moment, we're trying to put our lives in order, but this is not an end in itself. Our real purpose is to fit ourselves to be of maximum service to God and the people about us. Now, for a long time, the reason I like to work with the set-aside prayer was for a long time, I was pretty sure that line said our, our real purpose is to be of maximum service to God and the people about us. And then one morning I did the set-aside prayer. I was reading two pages a day out of the big book. And if you do that, you'll read the basic text four times a year and and it says, our real purpose is to fit ourselves to be of maximum service to God and the people about us. So we're trying to get in fit spiritual condition here so that we're available to be of maximum service to God and the people about us. And it talks about how sometimes if we go in with the spiritual approach too heavy, um, it may turn them off. You know, they, they might think, you know, he, he's, he was cracked on alcohol a year ago, and now he's a crackpot for religion and that sort of thing. And it says, we may kill a future opportunity to carry a beneficial message. And the reason I'm leading up to this is this next line, to me, is something that has to be present in every amends that I make. It says, but our man is sure to be impressed with a sincere desire to set right the wrong. That needs to be present in every amends I make, because there's a lot of reasons. There's especially a lot of reasons to make some of my amends, right? But there's only one reason to make all of them, and that's because, Mark, we talk about tying it to the to the first step. And do I really think that this amends process has anything to do with whether I stay sober or not? Or do I think this is extra credit? You know, you know <laughs> this is stuff we just do to, to show off. So, Charlie, I have a question for you okay. real quick. It's right. on my mind, and I got a feeling that it'll be pertinent to a lot of the listeners. So, obviously, well, maybe I shouldn't say so obvious, but th- what we're what we're usually talking about, generally speaking right is when somebody's going through this sometimes for the first time mm-hmm. right and they're seeing it and their sponsors taking them through it and they're saying you know are you serious do you want to get sober and so on and so forth with that said there's also a whole separate group of people if you will who have like like you said you know uh, i've been through this i've looked at the steps i wrote it all down and you know there's no reason to go back and do that stuff anymore what do you say to people maybe that you sponsored that have been sober for 
much like you had an experience, I believe, at like 10, 15 years, something 17. like that. 17 years, yes, right? Sir. And I'm so glad you said that. Great question. Because while it's true, if we do an inventory, a fork, you know, a resentment, fear and sex inventory, take those considerations for the fourth column into six and seven, go out and make amends, and then continue to take personal inventory in the tenth step, do an even tenth step throughout the day, do an eleventh step evening review at night to see where manifestations of self have come up. Take those considerations into my morning prayer and meditation and go clean that up and carry that into there. If I live, if I do that perfectly, if you do that perfectly, you can never have to do a four-column inventory ever again. And if you do that, we will build a statue in your honor <laughs> in front of the general service office. <laughs> Because most of us could tell you a couple of things that bug us, you know, or a couple of things that scare us, you know, or, you know, things that we're powerless over, and that sort of thing. You know, so I was sober, I don't know, 18 years at this point, and we, we started taking a different approach. Rather than writing a list, we started using three-by-five business cards. And I've got a stack of them in this desk drawer right next to me. And we carry into that business card the amends and and uh, who I harmed, what the harm was. I put the person I harmed and their contact information, the nature of the harm, and then I have three questions on each card. And this is just the way we carry it in there. And it says, the first question is, have I harmed you in any other way? Super powerful question. Because part of living a life based on selfishness and self-centeredness is that a lot of times I'm not conscious of my effect on other people. You know, you ever be just going along and you look up and somebody's angry or somebody's crying or somebody's hurt or somebody is chilly. And you're like, what? And, you know, and it's like there's so many things, you know, and the example I use, which is a super simple one, is the example of my amends to my sister. I had stolen $15 out of my sister's purse one night to go drink it. And it's funny. That was a major violation of my principles. Now, the odd thing is, I could steal money from my mother's purse and never think about it again. But for some reason, <laughs> taking money out of my sister's purse was a real harm. So I felt bad about it. I wanted to clean it up. Now, imagine, without this question and without the work we do around this question, imagine me going to my sister and saying, Carol, I'm trying to clean up my arms from, uh, uh, you know, from my decisions based on self and living on self well and part of my recovery from alcoholism. And I have to, once I stole $15 out of your purse, and here it is. Right now, can't you just see her going, really? Really? So let me get this straight. You stole all of the emotional energy out of, out of the house. You took all the attention that should have been coming to me, and it was all focused on you because you were the screw-up. I'm over here 
like the prodigal son's big brother, doing everything right, and you're the one blowing everything and going to jail, and you steal from our parents, you robbed our parents, you robbed me of the little brother I had, you know, growing up, and you think you're going to come to me and give me $15, and we're going to be square? And you're like, well... I was kind of hoping, you know. <laughs> but, I mean, can you see, when we talk about being thoughtless and inconsiderate, you know, that's the kind of thing. Now, the other thing is, I like to call people a couple of days in advance and tell them, I'd like to sit with you and, and go over as a part of my recovery process, the amends process, and I'd like to give you a chance. Because sometimes we can spring on them, and they're not prepared for the conversation. And most people have never had a conversation like this with somebody really wanting to sincerely set right the wrong. You know, and so the, the temptation a lot of times is when we come to make the amends, they're put off, you know, and they're like, hey, look, buddy, you know, just glad you're doing better. Water under the bridge. Enough said. Don't worry about it. Because I haven't given them a chance to, you know, and if you give them a chance, well, they they leads me also into that second question, I mean, that first question of, have I harmed you in any other way? And after each question, on my card, I've shortened it, I put S-U-A-L. That stands for, have I harmed you in any other way? Shut up and listen. <laughs> you know, give them a chance to talk. And then the, uh, the second question is, would you like to tell me how this felt? Shut up and listen. And then the third question is, what could I do to help make this right? Shut up and listen. And those are powerful. So the reason I want to talk about the cards is because at 18 years of sobriety, I had 42 cards. They're still in my desk drawer at work today. Uh, and most of them were from in sobriety, mistreating ex-wives, the step dad of my kids, um, people at work, people in the program, lots of stuff from in recovery, but then even some stuff from way back, you know, uh, where I'd run out of a restaurant without paying. And the guy said, well, when was that? I said, best of my recollection, uh, 1976. You know? <laughs> He's like, I think it's okay. And I said, well, I'll tell you what, next time I'm in Dallas, I'll come eat at your restaurant. And he goes, Okay, just be sure to pay for it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, armed with this stack of cards, now the thing about it is, and boy, we could spend a lot of time on this, I'll never stand in front of anybody and say I've made amends for all the harms I've done in my life. But I can sit here and tell you that I've made amends to everyone that I'm aware of harming. And 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 one of the things that happens when you place yourself in this amend mentality is stuff starts to bubble up to the surface, bloop, 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 and they just pop up over and you go, oh darn it, I remember that now, and I, I did that, and I did that, and so you know keep keep your list handy. And uh, but I want to hit on uh, you know it talks a lot about different kinds of amends. It talks about the man we hate. It talks about when we owe money. It talks about criminal offenses. It talk, I love where it says these reparations take innumerable forms. You know, there's a lot of different ways these 
can come about, and, and, and when God's in the middle of it, it talks about when it affects others, domestic trouble, infidelity, what to tell, you know, and sometimes, you know, like if I have a guy that says, do I need to tell my wife I was unfaithful? And sometimes it's like, it can depend a lot on our motives, you know, it's like, because like, let's say I'm just getting sober and I've beat the family to hell, and I don't think that the relationship could stand the blow of me announcing infidelity and I'd like to just be the best husband I can. That's one thing. But if I'm just not wanting to say anything because I don't want to get in trouble, that's a whole different motive. So we've got to be willing to look at what's driving us. And, and that's a good thing to have a sponsor who's done all these amends, you know, to, to talk to about it. But these longer amends, you know, it talks about, um, one of the things that bugs me, you hear a lot of stuff in the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous that's not AA. And you hear people talking a lot about living amends. You know, that meeting I was telling you where nobody talked about the amends, one lady, I swear to God, this is a true story. One lady raised her hand and she said, well, you know, I used to work in a company and um, she probably didn't really talk like this, but she said, I used to work in a company and I, I embezzled a lot of money from them, but I'm making living amends to them because I'm working at a different company now and I'm not stealing from them. <laughs> and he was like, oh my God, have you run that by anybody that has read our book? You know, because... We're talking about a sincere desire. To, of course, I'm not stealing money. What a lot of times, what, the only place that mentions anything like longer amends is to the family. You know, it says there's a long period of reconstruction ahead. But for most of us, when we describe living amends, it's really more closely described as practicing these principles in all of our affairs. You know, of course, I'm not stealing anymore or robbing people or hopefully a lot of the other thing that have come up on, on my, my men's list. But, um, you know, I, I do want to, before we run out of time, I want to be sure and talk about, um, you know, uh, I love where it says the spiritual life is not a theory. We have to live it, you know. And, and, and one of the things it talks about is amends that we can't make right now. And, you know, it's, it, a lot of times we, we're kind of comfortable going, well, I can't really make that one. There's a line that says there may be some amends, that we, some wrongs that we can never fully right. Mm -hmm. but, it's, but the next line is troubling. It says we don't worry about them. If we could honestly tell ourselves, we would write them if we could. Mm -hmm. If I saw this guy. Now, the thing is, one of the things that's worth pointing out is when, they, when our founders were writing this book, they assumed that they were talking to hopeless alcoholics that were convinced that they were trying to have a spiritual awakening in order to recover from this disease. And that they weren't talking to people that were looking for loopholes and an easy way out. You know, so I've got to kind of think about that mentality a little bit too, is I'm not always looking for an easy way out, you know, to, to try to avoid the guts of this spiritual experience. But, um, you know, this thing about the main reason to, to make all of my amends is if I think it has anything to do with staying sober. Um, you know, I do want to say one other thing. In the paragraph to the man we hate, 
back on 77, middle of the page, it says, the question of how to approach the man we hated will arise. Now, it's funny because there's a treatment center, and I have a lot of friends who I have great respect for that will go out to people in amends and say, I'm an alcoholic trying to get over my drinking. I'll never get over my drinking if, until I've straightened out the past. And then here's this amends. To me, that never sat right in my soul. That always felt selfish to me. And one time at Primary Purpose Group, where we study this stuff line by line, this guy said, now, notice here that the only place it says that is in the paragraph to the man we hate. Hmm. It says, um, we go to him in a helpful and forgiving spirit, confessing our former ill feeling and expressing our regret. Simply, we tell him we'll never get over our drinking until we've done our utmost to straighten out the past. We are there to sweep off our side of the street. So to the man we hate, who's trying to figure out, why is this guy in my office? You know, we yeah. have bad blood between each other. And trying to approach him with a sincere desire to set right the wrong, I might say, I'm never going to get over my drinking until we... It would be a real honor if you'd let uh, if we could have this conversation. Mm -hmm. But to my mother, whose greatest fear is that I might drink again, it would be emotional blackmail to go to her and say, "Hey, listen, Mom. You know, uh, I'll never get over my drinking until I straighten out all the money I've stolen from you." And she's going to go, "Okay, you know, don't worry about it, son. You're doing better now. I'm just, gonna, you know, don't worry about it." And if that never sat right with me, does, does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah. I never thought about that the place that mentioned that is in the man we hate. Well, mm. I've had so many powerful um, experiences in the amends process in the last 18 or 20 years. But I, in the few minutes we have left, I want to talk about a couple of them. I went to see my daughter, my oldest daughter, Sadie. Um, was living in Hawaii, and and I was telling her about there was a time when she had, um, I had done something with Sadie that I really felt bad about, and and I told her I want, and it was had to do with losing my temper with this beautiful little blonde haired girl, and and I said I'd like to talk. I said, and but when we said, have, have I harmed you in any other way? Out of nowhere, she said, you know, one time I had this Cadillac convertible. And the original Whole Foods store was in Austin at 9th and Lamar. And we used to go down there when they had one store and get a smoothie. And one time we're getting in the front seat of the Cadillac, and she spills her smoothie. And I got mad and threw it out, and I didn't buy it another one. Didn't buy her another one. And she said that really hurt her. And hurt her. And that would have never made my mess. And, and so, uh, we were coming over to Hawaii to see her, and I said, how about we go sit and have a smoothie somewhere and, and talk about this stuff? And I have a painting in the wall in there of, of a dad and a daughter and a smoothie that she did um, that just means an awful lot to me. <sighs> but it was a, a substantial conversation with a girl that I, I would have had no idea that, that that was in her mind. But I want to talk for a minute about the amends to Katie. Because uh, I sat down with Katie, and I made a list of uh, all the things I 
done that I was aware of that had harmed her. Pretty good list, you know, because I took a lot of training before she was willing to marry me. And she'd had a 20-year look at me as her best friend to see a lot of character defects. And, but, you know, so I make this amends to her one day, and I said, you know, honey, um, as selfish and self-centered as I am, there's a very good chance that there are harms I've done to you that I'm not aware of. And I'd like to give you the opportunity to take some time and make that list, and then we can sit down again and and go over the things that are on your list. So I know that way you have a chance to think of it. So I go gooning along on my merry way, just like I got good sense. And one day, I don't know, am I... Am I the only one that likes to bring up some of the dumbest stuff you've ever done and go, remember the time I, you know, and, and she goes, oh, yeah, I remember that. I go, yeah, she goes, uh, yeah, she goes, that's on the list. I said, I beg your pardon? And she said, that's on the list. I said, what list is that? She said, you told me I could make a list. I went, oh, now hold on. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on just a minute. I meant, you know, like a couple of days. Yeah. Or, you know, this was seven months later. And, and, and the whole time, anytime she'd think, not even with the shoot up, but she had this Rolodex for the younger kids. We used to write stuff on this little file with cards on it. You'd spin it around and it had phone numbers. It was called a Rolodex. And, Katie, <laughs> and Katie said she had a Rolodex in her brain that just, so when I would do something, that would remind me of the time he did this. It reminds me of the time he did that, the time he was with that waitress, and the time with this, and the time with that. And then, right. just back and forth. So, when she said that, I said, now hold up. You know, and now the thing was, I don't know she's still making the list. Her sponsor doesn't know she's still making the list. So now the cat's out of the bag, and, and we got to sit down and read the list. And we sit down at the co corner of the table, the same table where I have my Thursday night meeting with the boys. And I had a pad and a piece of paper. And she had 32 items on this list. <laughs> now, the thing about it, and the reason I tell this story, is that every one of them was a legitimate harm. And not one of them was on my amends to Katie. Mm. That's the power of this question, have I harmed you in any other way? And if, if you're willing to have that conversation with a, a significant other, it's really freeing because uh what katie said after that was uh that that rolodex went away in that process mm. that she didn't have all that stuff tied to other stuff and tethered to this and tethered to that and but now we move forward and here we are 15 years later and within the last six months she said honey i think i need to make another last <laughs> and, and i'm like Please do so. I, I want freedom. I want to be married to Katie the rest of my life. I don't want a bunch of stuff clogging up our lines of communication. And I'm like, make the list, and we'll sit down and do it. But, I mean, so I guess I'm just kind of hitting on a lot of general amends processes. But the, the main thing I would say is don't let anyone talk you at why on earth would we want to miss the freedom 
that's available in this amends process, you know, and tie it to my first step, and and uh, and then you know we act sensible, tactful, considerate, humble, without being servile or scraping, and so you know. When we get to these promises at the end of the ninth step, they are the exact opposite of the bedevilments over on page 52. We come in all blocked, and here we find ourselves in, in all this freedom. And um, so much fear goes away. Um, um, you know, it's just, it's, it's an amazing thing. But it's funny, you know, those promises, you know, when it says we in the big book, it's usually talking about, in the first edition, in the forward to the first edition, it tells us who we is. It says, we of Alcoholics Anonymous are more than 100 men and women who have recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. So when it means, when it says we, it's usually they. It's saying they learned, they had to fully concede. They, and so these promises, it, it kind of tickles me when I... When, when we read those night step promises in the meeting, and then they go, are these extravagant promises? And you got the guy with, you know, 10 days of sobriety with a brand spanking new big book going, we think not. And you're, and you're like, really? You know, so let me get this straight. You know, that feeling of uselessness and self-pity is just gone. You know, fear of, you know, alone at perfect peace and ease, or is it the chatter of a thousand monkeys up there in my head? You know, but when it says, are these extravagant promises? You're damn straight they're extravagant promises, but they're saying we think not. People who've had the experience, who are on the other side of it, are, and look it back and go, to us they're not extravagant promises. But to some guy that's just coming in, these are really uh, seem out of reach, you know, and, and, and we just go through this process, and this is where we find ourselves. Well, Charlie, I think that is an excellent pause place. And I say pause because we're going to, uh, as soon as I get done with this, we're going to look at the calendar. And uh, if you can, schedule you some more time. Uh, I will be flexible, especially uh, considering your uh, a health condition, but we'll just take it a step at a time. And yeah. as always, Charlie... That was absolutely fantastic. Uh, I've got a lot of good notes myself. You've prompted a lot of thoughts within me uh, that will uh, hopefully spur some actual action as opposed to thoughts. And uh, in fact, oh, we may chat about it. So, I was going to say, call me. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The thing I was going to say is run these by somebody before mm -hmm. you charge out and make amends. That's right. Okay, my friend, I'm going to read from page 164 of the big book to close us out here. If I can find it, it says, abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Abandon yourself, excuse me, admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past, which is exactly what we've been talking about here today. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you'll surely meet some of us, like me and Charlie P., as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. Amen. Charlie, once again, thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. So fun. It's always good to see you, John. Thank you for what you do. Thank you. 
As always, Charlie P., it was such a pleasure spending time with you. And uh, just as a reminder for those of you uh, listening to this, uh, I did mention on the front of the episode today, if you could throw up a little prayer for Charlie, I sure would appreciate it. And I know he would appreciate it too, as he struggles with some health issues. First things first here with a little listener feedback, a voicemail from Mike. Thank you for what you do. I love hearing the Joe and Charlie tapes. And yes, I do remember them on cassette because I'm an old guy now. Thank you, Mike. I'm so glad you enjoyed Joe and Charlie's episode. By the way, that's not the same Charlie as we just had on here for those of you who may be new to Alcoholics Anonymous or you don't know who Joe and Charlie is. But anyway, that episode that we have for Joe and Charlie was absolutely fantastic, and I'm glad that you as well enjoyed it, Mike. JD writes in, oh, this was a very interesting um, email. JD wrote in, and the, the subject line is Greetings and Sobriety from the Sunshine State. As you can tell, Mr. JD is located in the great state of Florida. He says, Hey, John, it's been a while since you and I have corresponded. I continue to stay tuned into the podcast every week, as I have since my recovery journey began, my sober date of July 30th, 2019. I joined the yoga based Zoom meeting put, put on by Megan about a year ago and was thrilled to virtually make your acquaintance there. It really brought Sober Speak to life for me and to meet the man behind the mic. <laughs> well, I do remember you, JD, and I'm so glad you were able to join. I, uh, you know, and I've had other people ask me about that yoga class. We had to uh, put the brakes on it because uh, uh, basically Megan couldn't make it anymore. Uh, maybe we'll do an, another yoga class at some point here in the near future. If you're one of the people who would like to maybe head that up, just, I don't know, let me know. But then he, he says, well, this morning I had another awesome experience that did just the same thing. I was attending my favorite Sunday morning meeting at a spot near the pier on St. Augustine Beach, Florida, directly across from me sat a man and wife who introduced themselves as Don and Greg C. from Granbury, Texas. Through Greg's share, I was able to recognize that I already knew Greg and certain aspects of his story through your podcast. After the meeting, I introduced myself to the gratitude man... <laughs> Yes, that is, that's what we entitled, uh, Gra- and, and it's his moniker for himself too, the gratitude man. Anyway, I, I introduced myself to the gratitude man. If you want to go back through our, uh, episodes. I can't remember. It's right around episode number 50, and it's called The Gratitude Man, uh, Greg C's uh, episode. Anyway, I was able to share appreciation for a service, experience, strength, and hope. But more importantly, it once again made me realize that the people you interview are, and this is big capital letters, real live people just like me. Yes, we're just a bunch of bozos on the bus. I just happen to have a mic, and I know some people in the area. <laughs> they come in here, and we record. We all all struggled at one time or another to stay sober. Yes, JD, you are correct. We all gain self-awareness and a God consciousness through working the steps. And we all have the ability to help others with our experiences. I came home from the meeting, gave his episode another listen. Oh, here it is. 
Episode number 36, I believe. So I was wrong. I was off by 15 or so. But nonetheless, you get the idea. And really took a good look at how thankful I am to be sober in Alcoholics Anonymous. You see, when I first heard Greg's episode, I was only four months sober and had no idea that people could continue to find things or to be grateful for other than just not drinking. Having had a few AA birthdays since then and working the steps to the best of my ability, I have become aware that everything is worthy of gratitude and the proper perspective. Greg C.'s powerful share about willingness this morning reiterated that to me. Y'all seem to have a great group down there in Frisco, Texas. Thank you, John and Mrs. M for keeping your podcast current, uplifting, and always relevant to the program of Alcoholics Anonymous. Yours, J.D. and St. Augustine. P.S. I shared this episode with my sponsorship circle, and I got a lot of response to it. J.D.B. So J.D.'s the first name, and then B is the last initial. Like, you know, J.D. and then Spanish. And then B, like the last initial. But anyway, JD from St. Augustine, thank you so much for writing in. That is so, so cool. Alton posts in the secret Facebook group. He says, Hey, John M., my name is Alton. My sobriety date is. October 25th of 2001. I am also just another bozo on the bus. Laugh out loud. I discovered Sober Speak while I was recently in jail. I listened to many episodes over the months I was in jail. I It was like my meeting between meetings since I wasn't able to attend any. You have so many amazing speakers on there. Sober Speak was very motivational for me. I would listen to your podcast and read my big book. I've only been out a few days, but I still have no desire to drink. I just want to say thank you for what you do, and I love the podcast. Hopefully, this will end up on listener feedback. Well, you just got it on listener feedback, Alton. (laughs) And then he says, it works if you work it one day at a time. Thank you, John, for all you do. Prayers and a little smiley face, a little heart. Alton, well, Alton, we're glad that we were able to provide you some comfort and solace while you were there in uh, uh, in uh, in jail, and uh, I'm I'm so glad that you that you're that you're out, and uh, I'm glad you're getting plugged in and just keep doing the deal there. Like you said, it works if you work it, Mister Alden. Thank you. Mike writes in, and this is not the same Mike that was on the voicemail, and his um, uh, the. The, the subject line was love it with about 10 ex- exclamation points. He says, hey, John, I, Mike here again. I bet you remember me from the name Foglifters, right, in St. John's, Michigan. I do remember that. What a great name. Anyway, I made it past my I made it past a year, my friend. Yeehaw, Mr. Mike. He says, I'm still going to listen to you, though. I'm still convinced that my higher power has brought me directly to you and the people in my life today because of Alcoholics Anonymous, and I've met just because I found this podcast. So interesting that I have been listening to the Joe and Charlie tapes. Here's the Joe and Charlie reference uh, again. All week long, for some reason. Well, today, I did. Decided to, try, decided to see what my buddy John M. 
put up for an episode, and lo and behold, Joe and Charlie books. That's right, Mike. Mike. He says, I don't know what the heck. Uh, I don't know why the heck you keep doing that. It's kind of creepy, dude. <laughs> this is just meant to be a joke because like the whole program, it just keeps talking to me. And I've started to really see the messages as clear as the as clear as day more often than ever. I thank you for having uh, all of us, uh, I thank you for having this for all of us to use at our disposal. It's so darn nice to be able to just pick up and re-listen. Uh, it's like new messages come through people's shares on the show, just like when I reread the AA literature. It somehow always speaks different, and I love it. I crave the experience today, and it always does feel better, unlike when I was chasing the effect of King Alcohol. I could never reach that one feeling, and I kept chasing it. God bless you uh, and all who listen. For those still suffering, there is definitely hope. That's right, Mike. We have just to remain full of it. Mike, send for my, my iPhone. Uh, so I just busted Mike's anonymity. If you know somebody, Mike... It's named Mike, and they have an iPhone. I just busted their anonymity. Anyway, LaShonda writes in, and LaShonda says, I absolutely love your podcast. It gives me hope. Keep up the good work. I listen to you every morning and throughout the day. Well, God bless you, Shonda. I'm glad we can be part of your day, and thank you for contacting us. Jamie writes in, and the title of Jamie's, uh, or the subject line is Billy Kay. She says, Hey, John, I was so touched by Billy Kay's share. Hearing her talk and being truly accountable for her thought, actions, and reactions really spoke to me. I am thankful to be in both AA and Al-Anon, and I just celebrated two years. My sober date is August 8th of 2020. I'd love to know more about the group study she attends. Is it on Zoom, and is it open to anyone? Please pass on my gratitude for her story and for her willingness to share it. I was getting so... I was getting so much amazing info, I had to keep playing it over and over so I could catch up on all the good parts. Thank you so much for providing the arena where people can hear the fantastic speakers, Jamie C. Arena. I like that, Jamie C. And as you know, I went ahead and uh, copied you on a uh, an email to hear with, with Billy Kay, and I hope you guys can continue the conversation from there. Barb DMs on the Insta. She says, Hey, John, checking in to let you know I've been working with Matthew M. He's sponsoring me. I'm working through the 12 steps and the 12 and 12. I'm so grateful for his experience, strength, and hope. A week ago, I went to my dermatologist, oh no, with a spot on my leg that grew overnight. I was, I was diagnosed with cancer a day later. I go in for surgery this coming Friday. Matthew has been a great support, reminding me where my to, to keep my feet where they are, which means not to future trip, and the next indicated thing, which means to keep going and doing what my doctors tell me to do without hesitation and procrastination. Lastly, he's encouraged me to get in the middle of this program. 
tell people what's going on, lean on them, and let them love me, doing all the things that has allowed me to process my fears, to be present, and to love my higher power deeply. God is all, or God is nothing, and right now my God is all, and my God is bigger than ever." Barb, she says, I'll keep you posted, my friend. I didn't have to drink or use over this. And I also know never to limit God. See you soon. God bless you, Barb. And I hope that uh, by sharing, and I think that's a good, those are good suggestions, everything that Matthew said to do. And I'm hoping that by sharing this, that this will help get, um, get your fears and concerns out in the universe and it'll bring you closer to the God of your understanding. Thank you so much, Barb. Derek writes in and the subject line is thank you for this podcast. And Derek says, Hey, John. Hey, Derek. This is Derek from LA from Long Beach, California. I just wanted to say thanks for continually pumping out great content on the Sober Speak podcast. I have found that the disease wants me dead is always in the background analyzing all of the steps, meetings, and AA-related activities I, I do looking for loopholes to exploit and attack me when I least expect it. Podcast content has helped me to avoid being a stationary con- target or satisfied with progress, not perfection. And become a resource to uh, and become a resource to practice a plan of action via progress toward perfection. To keep one reading, step meetings, and and keep me ahead of my alcoholism. I was fishing for sobriety content on the Apple Podcast a couple months ago and came across your podcast. Very thankful for you and your guests and sharing experience, strength, and hope with all of us AAs needing to hear it. I have gone through the first 60 or so episodes and have been able to take away a lot of solid information and strengthen my defense against the first drink and show my disease. I mean business. (laughs) (laughs) And he says, David G, Doug S, Buddy C, or a few of my favorites. Anyway, keep up the great work and thanks for all you do best, Derek A. God bless you, Derek. Robert writes in and Robert says... Hey, John, the other day I heard you say you like to think about what we are doing when we are listening. So there's a here's a little insight to me. I've been listening to the podcast all uh, over the past few years. I started out with a big book and a 12 and 12 audio books on my four hour drive to Tulsa where I now live to the Kansas City area, Kansas City area, where I'm originally from. I started on a speaker podcast about over a year ago, and I came across yours. I love it. Less speaker meeting-ish, more conversational, but 100% experience, strength, and hope. I recently changed jobs, and now I travel through Northeast Oklahoma, and I love to put your podcast on for the longer drives. I've got three and a half years in the program, and I am active in my home group, but it's really nice to have your, quote, meeting between meetings, unquote, there at the touch of a finger. Ooh, I like that. That could be a, like a, if I can remember this, like at the touch of a finger, Sober speak is available to you. Anyway, the range and quality and quantity of sobriety people you have on your uh, uh, 
range of quality and quantity of sobriety and people you have on from people in your home group to guys like Earl H who are pretty well known is pretty cool too. I never write in stuff. I don't take surveys at the bottom of receipts. So this is a new one for me, but I'll tell you why I decided to write today. Last night, I was filling in as chairperson for a meeting. I'm the backup in case someone needs uh Uh, something to do in this sober life that has given us the opportunity to do such. And I also need a service commitment really bad. And anyway, two two newcomers stepped in their meeting room for their first meeting. I had a topic picked out for the discussion, but I jumped online just before the start of the meeting to see if the internet had any good topics. I clicked on a link And without looking at it, scroll to one day at a time. The site was different. It was just a list, but it had a little backstory and speaking points to each of the uh, subjects that went along with it. I checked out what the site was and sure enough, it was yours, John. I know you, I I know now that things happen for a reason instead of randomly. My higher power doesn't show up in some big fancy way, but instead through people and subtle coincidences... I'm paying attention to and living uh, a spiritual life that day that I may just be able to be observant enough to catch it. I felt it necessary to email you to say thank you for helping me do this and for, for helping me do this thing and so many others one day at a time. And in some cases, one meeting, one hour, one minute at a time. Sincerely, Robert L. Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. Well, I'm glad that you ran across our website. And for those of you out there who don't know what he's talking about, if you go to SoberSpeak.com, oh, there's a list of meetings and all kinds of other blogs and resources on there if you'd like to use them. Okay, everybody, that's it. That is one more week of Sober Speak. Uh, I plan my be- I plan on making it back next week. You never can tell. Uh, may God bless you and keep you until then. Keep coming back one day at a time. It works if you work it. God bless y'all. Love you. Bye-bye.